is your home away from home. Camp is the best thing in the whole wide world. I just love it here. Ah! Everyone's your best friend at camp because you're just always spending time with everyone. This cabin is a family. These girls are going to be some of the most important people of your life. All of our cabin are brothers. We stick together through the thick and thin. Land down! All these peeps are going to be my friends and my sisters. If I don't like something, I still clap to make the people who did it feel good for all the time they invested in it. I feel so brave at camp because my fear can't stop me. Oh, I'm gonna fall off. You got this, Lucy. TJ, it's block time. God, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 188, Bug Juice, My Adventures at Camp. That's right. When in doubt, go back to the well, your early success. Here we are, back to Waziata. Well, after a self-indulgent month of episodes, That's right. we return to more self-indulgence. <laughs> With something we're only interested in, which is bug juice and real kids at summer camp. Something we went to back in the early days of the show where we talked about the original, and now we're we're talking about the revival that aired on the Disney Channel in 2018. But before we get into that, follow the show on Twitter, subscribe, tell a friend. At Greatest Pod on Twitter. That's right. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We're going from perhaps one of the trashiest episodes we've ever done. Yeah. To a wholesome show <laughs> with two jerk offs in their 30s right. talking about 10 year olds at camp. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> I do get why it's weird. But to be fair, like, even watching it, you know, I watched the first couple episodes. Lindsay was kind of casually around reading a book looking at me in a way of just like what is wrong with you how can you be compelled by these little kids but by episode 
for she she starts like watching the show by herself without <laughs> me. Like she's like getting teared up during the Izzy scenes. It's compelling. She tweeted television. something out about yeah. not liking Izzy, but I feel like she turned around like everyone. Oh does. yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Before we we really jump into it, let's explain a little bit more about what the situation is here. So. The Disney Channel got into the reality TV game unexpectedly early yeah. when you look back on it. I think we addressed that way back when, four years ago, when it we is, talked about the show, how weird it was. It's definitely strange, even now thinking about it. It seems shocking that they had a reality show about yeah. kids, but it it went places that you wouldn't think a Disney Channel show would go. And so that season one, it ran for three seasons all at different camps, but that season one, the one that we talked about in a two-part episode very early on in this show's history, That's right. took place at Camp Waziata in Waterford, Maine. Three years ago, summer of 2017, they announce a revival returning to Camp Waziata. To great fanfare from at least a couple people. Yeah, and this this is a conversation we've had off mic before and I feel like we should just bring it up on the show (laughs) which is the biggest part of these revivals and there's a million of them TV mostly is what I'm talking about not necessarily remakes although there's a lot of movie remakes that would fall under this as well the biggest part is the announcement itself absolutely not the show that's the thing now not the comeback you get so much buzz from an announcement that's true. And it, so often the show itself, like no one cares. It came it and comes went and goes. W- with a whimper. Yeah. I think based on the ratings I was looking at, I do think that kids were watching this show. But strangely, though, it's the like, announcement of the revival would only appeal to people who were old enough to remember the original. Well, that's the, the other thing about things airing on TV, though, too. When was the last time I would? I don't even know what channel the Disney Channel is. Like, it I, does seem I, it, that it wouldn't they, have crossed my mind to find this on TV. They greenlit. This revival, they filmed it over the summer of 2017 to air in 2018, and then they sort of dumped it out very quickly. It aired from July 16th, 2018 to August 9th, 2018, and there's 16 episodes. Yeah. And that's only like, what, three weeks, two weeks, I guess three weeks. The way it's cut together, too, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, but it's like, Somehow within the constraints of every episode, it's like you're you're like flashing back to things that also happened in that episode. They're like previewing things. I was thinking like on the streaming, maybe it was just that way because they were like showing the interludes like leading up to commercial breaks and like the return from commercial breaks. Yeah, but that's I, how they would have aired on TV probably. Yeah, but it, it does feel weird. It feels like decent percentage of the content is just like either replays or yeah that's probably because uh, foreshadowing. It's, it's targeting a very young demographic and, and they're trying to keep them engaged in the storylines you mean we aren't the demographic <laughs> no but like i said the only people that would get excited about the revival in the first place like to a kid that's 10 years old they weren't even alive when bug juice aired and it's not like it replays anywhere really and it's not on Disney Plus the original season so yeah. they would never even really know about it so the idea of them returning to Waziata doesn't really mean anything to kids they're just That's viewing true. it as a new show but they do hype up the announcement like the Save by the Bell reboot that's coming out on Peacock later oh yeah you it's just everything. know that the yeah. announcement is the thing that people Girl are going to remember yes and then the actual show itself 
it doesn't mean that it's even going to be bad or anything. It just kind of it, just it doesn't, doesn't really, compare to the announcement. <laughs> the yeah, announcement it, is the big deal. It doesn't inspire people to really celebrate this thing. No, because so few things do. Yeah. And even though there's like a cheap pop with a revival, I do think that most of them are pretty hollow and forgettable and they never really recapture any magic. It was funny going back and listening to our first two Bug Juice episodes and there's certainly a lot of awkward silences. I feel like we were like, that was like the 10 or 11 year old version of us, you know, in this show. Just a a lot of awkwardness. I also feel like you and I were just like doing two completely different shows. It, <laughs> it starts off and it it almost sounds like you're doing NPR and I'm just like, I, I don't know, just like laughing at nothing. <laughs> I, I, I was like trying way too hard to like make it seem exciting, but that I did feel like. <laughs> and it definitely was not exciting. <laughs> we managed to like sync up at a certain point and I, I feel like it worked from there. Once we really started getting into like part two I feel like we had a pretty good flow to it. And, and we were hitting the important moments and really getting into it. I, I did feel like there was some good stuff there for, for being very early content. If people are interested in, in going back and checking out the original Bug Juice episodes, I will say that they're a rough listen. Yep. We've improved a lot. <laughs> we've, we've started editing and making the episodes just seem a little bit better and more professional. Yeah, but, but the I, content is there. We hit the yeah, good yeah. stuff of Bug Juice, the original. It takes a little bit to get into, but yes. Yeah, I think we utilized clips, which we used more nowadays, but back then we didn't really do very often. And I just think the episodes aren't that bad. It's just they need to be edited. Now, way back when the world was young and nature was untouched, a place where the stars were so bright in the sky, it felt like you could reach up and grab them and put them in a jar. A group of young people, much like yourselves, they listened with all their hearts. They could hear it. The north wind whispering through the pines. Wazi, wazi, waziata. Wazi, wazi, waziata. If people are interested in watching Bug Juice, based on what we're talking about, you can watch the new season on Disney+. Plus. When we recorded those OG episodes about the season that aired in 1998, you could then watch those episodes on YouTube. You can no longer do so. They've been pulled off YouTube. It seems impossible to watch the original Bug Juice right (laughs) now. Unless you have it taped off of TV on a VHS or something. Just a giant vacancy in my life right now. I... I'm imploring Disney Plus to just please put the original season on. I would watch it every day. Just tweeting them all the time. Oh, relentlessly. Yeah, at least once. <laughs> anyway, so what are the major differences between this new revival and the original Waziata year? I have one. Okay, go ahead. Okay, can... well, first of all, the theme song, which <laughs> That's I think true. Yeah. the original far superior. Yeah, I... <laughs> I wouldn't have been against them doing like a new version of that I song, think so. yeah, but to the, like kind of modernize the sound. But yeah, the new this song one feels sucks. Lame, yeah, yeah, it's terrible. The major thing, though, as far as the show go, is the ages of the campers featured on the show. True, which was kind of a big letdown for us because we wanted a little bit more. You always like the romance drama, drama yeah. and stuff, which we talked about a lot in those original episodes. In Bug Juice, My Adventures at Camp, the kids are now. 
10 to 12 for the most part. Yeah. Whereas in the original Wazi year, they were 12 to 14 and maybe as old as 15 in at least a couple cases. Right. And it seemed like a well thought out decision to skew younger. I think there's a lot of reasons for it. First, Disney clearly wanted to steer clear of boys and girls fraternizing and kissing yeah. and, and having romances. Although even and after, they were trying to appeal to like a little bit younger of a demographic. True. Although even after reading that Vice article you sent me where they talked about deleting some things or I guess like intentionally cutting out some stuff that they didn't want to show in terms of like young budding romances. I do remember even for Bug Juice season two and Bug Juice season three that that was still very much the feel. So it's like, yeah, but it seems like they've probably changed a lot even since that time period. Uh, Yeah, I do agree with that. I think now because of more options and because of the Internet and stuff, I think like the demographic for Disney is actually a lot younger than it was 22 years ago. I I mean, just the climate we're in, you just don't want to do anything that's going to open yourself up for uh, cancel culture or (laughs) you just. Well, I don't know if they're worried about that, but it's just. I think they want to appeal to younger kids, so they want to show younger kids at camp. It's hard for me as a 36-year-old to relate to kids, but <laughs> I don't know. I do know true. that like kids, I'm talking like young kids, yeah, like yeah. under 10. You have this- they watch YouTube videos of other kids. Yeah. Doing everyday stuff like playing with toys and shit. Like those those videos get millions and millions yeah, of yeah. views and those kids, their families are millionaires because of it. I stumbled all over it, but I was going to say that you and these kids definitely have similar diets and like interest in foods. Yeah. Well, that may be, but the the YouTube video situation is what leads me to think that Disney's trying to appeal to people in the demographic of these campers. They would probably think it would be pointless to put 14-year-olds in the show because they're dealing with things that like 10-year-olds aren't and they want 10-year-olds to watch it. They kind of don't think that 14-year-olds are going to be tuning into Disney. Yeah, probably not. That's one reason. And then obviously, once you get older, you're exposed to more reality TV. So we're talking like a whole 22 years has passed since 1998. We have 22 years worth of reality TV. Kids today who are like 13, 14, 15 are exposed to a lot of it. And you start to lose the sense of reality. And I still think that they were trying to get it as close to a real camp experience as possible, which is what they accomplished in the 97 summer that they filmed because those kids weren't really used to reality TV. They were just kind of living their life. Yeah, there was definitely like a loose, more natural feel to the original series. This does feel a little bit more produced. Yeah, I would agree with that, but I still think if they would have went older, then it would be even more people trying to be reality tv characters that's true anything natural yeah so that's another reason that they probably skewed younger and there's less to deal with you know i think older kids are swearing more they don't want to have bleeps on the show even well yeah so if somebody were to swear or something they'd have to like cut the whole part out so it's just easier these kids are more innocent all right another major thing that i noticed was the sessions were a little bit different they still had the the four week and eight week campers but they also added the six-week campers who would stay through halfway through session two. Yeah. And then they also had one guy who only showed up at the beginning of session two and then left after two weeks. It's like, why even bother, dude? A lot of different choices. 
it seemed like these younger kids, a lot more of them left after four weeks than the original ones. Yeah. I, for some reason, it felt like more of the original people stayed the whole time. Maybe with, I'm wrong on with that. With the younger crew, you definitely felt more of four weeks being a lot and like you have to get home now. It just seems yeah. like some of these kids, the, it was it's, Homesickness it's was like a bigger issue in this one than it was yeah. in the OG. Was Although Caitlin was begging Caitlin. to leave. Yeah. Mom, <laughs> I love you too. Bye. There were some minor things that changed. No Shaners this time. They go to a water Bummer. park instead. Yeah. There's less adventure bound stuff because these kids are younger, so they're not gonna like expose them to like, well, I was climbing up mountains and shit. If that was even still part of the deal. I think it probably is. It yeah. just wasn't something that the younger kids were really doing as much of. They well, stay overnight in the tent the one night. Don't forget different owners. Yeah, there's some different owners and so they do like a little bit of different events, but a lot of the same These owners idea. seem more involved than the other ones. Yes. Uh, they're, they're definitely like interested in the events, leading the events at times. They added a water feature on their lake, which is called the blob. We'll, we'll talk about that a yeah. little bit more as we go. Actually, only three kids died on the blob, <laughs> so pretty good. Yeah, I think if we were counselors at a, at a camp, I'm kind of baffled as how they're able to like wrangle them all and keep track of them all. Yeah. They have more of these little kids in the cabins than they did in the original bug. Juice. It seems tough. I don't know how you could do it. It's I'm sure this will come up a couple of times. It's hard not to think of Wet Hot American Summer, but you're just picturing like <laughs> yeah. driving out into the woods, throwing the kid out of the van. <laughs> There's 16 boys in the Pines 9 cabin, which is the focal point, and 16 girls in the Pines 4 cabin. And what was Pines something in the original season? I remember there was Grove 4, right? It was Hill and Grove. Hill and Grove, So okay. those were like the older kids. This oh, yeah. was like younger ones. One of the big things, though, with this increased number of kids, they instead focus on a handful of campers rather than letting things play out naturally, which is what, how I felt like they did it in the original. Whereas yes. in this one, they seem to have picked a couple ahead of time or at some point, and they're like, we're going to make Izzy, TJ, Daryl... Yeah. Bryn, a few of them like the main people, and then the other people are really going to be background players because it definitely feels like you don't really get to know a lot of them. And it's a weird move to make these people the main characters that aren't going to be in the show the whole time. Well, what choice did they have? Yeah, was there not a lot of eight-weekers? There were a couple, and they emerged. They just didn't have charisma. I think there was only one eight-weeker for boys. I will say, though. And there were two for girls, Erilyn and... Aaliyah. Go back to the original uh, bug juice season and tell me you're not getting a little choked up at the end during the goodbyes. And I just didn't. This is like it's too spread out through this series, like people coming and going. Well, when you it feels like it's a goodbye episode, like every two episodes. Yeah, I know. We've got two weekers in the mix. There's too many people coming in and out. Well, when your focal point is not on boy girl drama and it's more on like fucking arts and crafts, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's kind of hard to get as connected. Riding horses. And one of the big things we talked about with the original Bug Juice was the lack of cell phones, lack of social media, lack of internet. Like once you left the camp, other than like maybe getting phone numbers and actually physically calling people on their yeah. house phones, like you were out of those people's lives until next For summer, good. maybe. Yeah. Or maybe Whereas, ever. Now, you know that they're all like friends on Facebook and social media, and, and the world is smaller in that sense. That's right. These kids come from all over the country, and yet 
you know that they can stay in constant contact with each other yeah, if almost they want to. Shockingly far away at times. The cinematography of this season I thought was pretty cool. They definitely showcased Maine in a way that felt a lot better than the Desirable, original. yeah. It reminded me of like the old VHS cover of Stand By Me with like the silhouette of the <laughs> mountains right. and yes. stuff. <laughs> okay, the big thing though, and I know you had an issue with this as well, okay. is the modernization of the attempted humor and the presentation of the show in general. Horrible. Don't like A it. lot of like weird graphics trying very hard to be funny, meme humor. Someone says something, then they like freeze frame it and write it on the screen. Yeah, or somebody makes a face and they'll put like that face when, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it stinks. It, that really not a lot of good content there. Not surprising though. I mean, that's no. that is designed to appeal to kids and I guess we're still stuck in a sense of humor and a sense of entertainment and presentation from our past i mean we're never going to modernize to the point where we're going to well, think this shit's funny <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just it's not our demographic there was at all. some on-screen graphics that did feel like throwback to the original series there was some of that well especially was- since there's so many kids it was fine to keep throwing their names up at random times throughout it just to keep reminding you who's who yeah it was hard you couldn't get invested in all of the characters in a way that you could in the original series. But during like the big sporting events that they have, uh, Color Wars, which, yeah. <laughs> contrary to the name, is not anything related to race, <laughs> <laughs> and the Parker Cup, as they call it, which, which is, is basically the just thing. the same thing. Yeah, They had like that cartoon commentary figure come that on the stinks. screen. They did it for the zombie thing, too. Yeah. it's That's horrible. It's way overdone, way overproduced. Not compelling. I think, I think there were probably some network notes of like we need this to be more exciting for little kids you yeah gotta, we need like a narrative they were probably panicking when they saw the footage and they're like this isn't gonna play <laughs> yeah kids aren't gonna be interested in this you gotta like spice it up because that felt very tacked on to me and i hated how that, like the, i guess it felt like it was for children the yes. little cartoon voice was responding to things that like a character like you know like a kid or a counselor would say right. they'd be like better luck next year guido or whatever yeah that, <laughs> That's not an Italian slur. That's actually someone's name. Yeah, which that also shocked me in and of itself. I, I was kind of like, are we all okay with just like calling this dude Guido? <laughs> it's his name. What I are know. you going to do? Can yeah. we, for a second though, just talk about like the differences? Like, what did you feel like going back to the original series and now like the, the counselors were like a like for like? Or I don't we're know. We're going to talk about the counselors as we got into Okay. It. I just meant, you know, was Guido like a ret? And Chloe like a Luna, or were they more like their own characters? Chloe was probably more like Luna than Guido was like Rhett. Okay. Rhett, it, impossible <laughs> to replicate. <laughs> Just no one ever going to be like Rhett, as far as I'm concerned. Neither were very much like it. I think the yeah. main difference is, and I don't know if this is what you're alluding to, Guido, Nate, and... Chloe mm-hmm. for sure yes. and I guess maybe Katie who's like a junior counselor this is what I'm alluding to they all are like bug juice lifers yeah and have bug juice it, and they've Waziata. been going or or yeah Waziata <laughs> lifers they have been going to that camp since they were kids and they were started as campers and worked their way up to counselors we found out from the vice article yeah. that Rhett and Luna listeners are just like I like how these guys just casually reference how they are, have read a Vice article about bug juice. I can put the link in the yeah. Oh, episode yeah, that description. Would be good. 
Yeah, Rhett and Luna seemed more like they came from a different camp. And that's something we would not have ever picked up on. But when oh, you absolutely. do compare them and go back, I mean, not like we can go back and rewatch those episodes, but when you think about it, like Rhett and Luna don't ever actually mention any experience yeah. with Waziata or they don't talk about previous years. Although Rhett was like weirdly obsessed with maximizing everyone's uh, emotional connection to the time period. But I do think both of them came from other camps, right? Well, that's the thing, reading that article. And I think this has now made me question my whole image of Rhett, that like so much of this was put on by him, that this was a performance. I don't feel like it was put on. No? Do you think he was getting that, the, that many tears out <laughs> on his, like faking it? I don't know. He's an artist. But like he talks about how... If he was putting on a performance, he's... The Daniel Day-Lewis of camp counselors. Well, they I mean, were talking about the casting, unreal. and it's weird. The The producers of the original show were kind of like, yeah, you know, we, we kind of lucked into Rhett and Luna, and they really worked because I got to tell you, there was a lot of duds. Basically, yeah. the way that article read was like, we didn't have a lot of good shots at getting counselors that were going to really yeah. pop. But then in Rhett's thing, he was like, well, yeah, you know, I had been a camp counselor for years, but whatever, I'm paraphrasing, but not at Waziata. But that's where the production was happening. So that's where I went. Yeah. Like basically being like... The other major thing is all of the counselors on the 2018 version are pretty young. Yes, they seem more... They're more probably like 18 to 22. Yeah. Whereas Rhett was probably like like 24 or 25. Yeah. And Luna was like 28 or 29. Right. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah, I know. It's like, like, what does she make, like, four bucks an hour as, like, an almost 30-year-old? I don't know. They probably got paid a lot. It's hard to say. In in 1997 money. Well, that's true. They probably got, like, some of that TV money, but... Yeah, if they were, like, specifically picked, they might have got, like, money out of that That's true. Yeah. It seems like they must have just had an open casting call for, like, do you want to be the counselors on this season? Well, yeah. This time around, they went a little bit more naturalistic with people, and I, I think it shows because... Rhett and Luna were like way more entertaining and like Luna I think came off as like a really good person but there is some connection that you can feel with the counselors in this current one where they are so in tune with like what's going on at the camp they they just have like a feel for everything right they're old hands at it whereas like Rhett and Luna never got down and dirty as much like in terms of the activities that's true yeah Guido has like his picture up hanging as like hall of fame like color war winner 2011 or something is it does seem like they've just been around for a while they know all the events because this is this has to be the most self-indulgent episode (laughs) we've ever done folks just bear with us we care about buck juice we know that no one else does (laughs) especially this new version that no one watched really Get Disney Plus and check it out, and then you'll know what we're talking about. Let's get into the campers a little bit. Let's we'll go through. I only know four of them. A couple. Well, we're only going to hit on some major stuff. I think this episode will probably be pretty short in comparison to some of the other ones. Okay, always you got to be careful when you say that. Well, I can always cut that out. <laughs> Let's talk about Izzy, the star That's right. of the show. Yeah. All right, Izzy. My name is Izzy. I'm in the Pines 4 cabin and I'm 11 years old and I come from Manhattan in Tribeca. Yay! One of the things that I thought was funny right off the bat was Izzy and TJ and a few of the other people talking about how they were like experienced 
campers and how they would have a little bit of knowledge yeah. to pass down to like the new and it was just they were literally doing like the face to face with the camera and you would hear like and then like Izzy like lighting a cigarette <laughs> yeah I'm coming back for my second year that's that was right. like literally the way she was acting like she was some old hand like <laughs> let me see uh yeah this is my uh third year here I'm like a a vet uh, I have all the uh, information I'm going to share with the new campers. I have to sort of be a mentor. I have to show them the ropes. This is a 10-year-old girl. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, speaking of that, I mean, then like TJ gets on. It sounds like he just, you know, a carton of Marlboros with his voice. <laughs> so Izzy is certainly the camper that everyone who watches this show would know. She is <laughs> the focal point of a lot. Yeah. She's only a six-weeker, so she is not in, like, the last couple episodes. Yeah, but she feels like the star through most of the series. And I can see why, because she's so precocious, so smart. She has a big vocabulary for her age. True. She probably has, like, a higher IQ than some of the counselors, even. And that's not, like, a knock on the counselors. You can just tell that she's very advanced. Yeah, she's sharp. I mean, I almost feel like... And she uses that as her social mechanism to, like, shield herself from any awkwardness or potential for embarrassment or it's like her it's her shield against the world it's her like her personality because there are campers that are outgoing naturally like lucy in session two who shows up and she's almost like cammy 2.0 from the original like very outgoing and bubbly uh, shoes to fill though yeah i mean i didn't say she was as good but (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, there's people who are naturally outgoing, and then there's Izzy, where you can kind of sense that it's forced, that she's, like, afraid of sure certain things. And I will say that when you first start watching the show, it's easy to get annoyed with Izzy yeah. off the bat. You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> she's going to be unbearable. Yeah. <laughs> but things turn. Things turn. Certainly. So let's talk about a couple of the major incidents with Izzy from session one. There's the tent incident, and then there's the mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz. Those are like the two defining Izzy moments. And they so, happen very close to each other, and it makes her seem like a very... I, I don't want to say victim, but you're definitely sympathizing for her. Yeah, it seems like in the girls' cabin, whether or not there was any boy-girl drama, there was certainly some drama amongst the girls. And yeah. it would not shock me that if they did a tell-all about this year <laughs> of Bug Juice to find out... The reunion that stuff show. was cut yeah. to not make people look bad or something. Later because when they start doing like bug juice, the challenge and like <laughs> <laughs> they come back and they're like, whatever. Well, clearly, the- clearly something happened. Yeah. Because Izzy was very excited when Bryn arrived, a girl that she had known from a prior year oh, at yeah. Waziata. And it seemed like Izzy was sort of fitting in with people. It was hard to tell. Some of the girls maybe weren't totally feeling her vibe. She was, like, talking all about how, like, I can't wait till Bryn gets here. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. So then as part of, like, a special night where a lot of the campers of this age group, including the two cabins that we're focused on for this, they get to, like, go out and sleep in tents. I don't know. There's 16 girls in their cabin, but there's only 14 involved in this. I don't understand what happened there. Two were able to sit it out. You could tell that not everyone was excited to go sleep in tents. And I think we talked about this on the old Bug Juice episodes where it was like this idea of like being at camp, but then doing like other camping. camping. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it is strange because you're just like you can tell that some of them are like, 
why are we doing this? We're staying in cabins, but we have these nice bunks. Like, we got to go pile seven people in a fucking tent. The point of it is there's only 14 of them on this little thing, and Pines 9 gets, I think it's nine, or are they four? I guess they might be four. The girls, they get two tents. So that's seven to a tent out of the 14. It turns into this whole thing where one of the tents doesn't want to let more people in because they want more room. Yeah. And Izzy and another girl named Leia, who's also an eight-weeker and is there the whole time, right? Yeah. They are left out in the cold. No one wants to let them into their tent, and it becomes like a whole standoff. Openly talking about them not being able to be in the tent, too. Well, yeah, but they're not saying, like, specifically. They're basically just positioning it as, like, we have enough. Like, we're filled. Yeah, go elsewhere. And Bryn, who we'll talk about more later, she's sort of leading the full tent that already had seven, and then there's the other tent that only has five, and they want to stop at five. But the five won't let anybody else in because there's a tall girl in there. (laughs) It's a whole thing. She needs to stretch her legs out. Somehow this is something that would only happen with a group of girls like this age. Exactly. Like, there's never really problems like this with the guys. Yeah, right. And since the guys aren't into girls yet... (laughs) They all get along. Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's... It's a sad little moment where we see the excitement from Izzy start to fade from her eyes. It's always it like is, painful to hard. watch like a yes. young person be bullied in a way where they just are wanting to have a good time. And even that, I mean, she's, she's trying to like lighten the mood and make some jokes and be like, so what, do I just lay on the floor out here? Well, you guys talk about Really? Yeah, it's it's awkward. And this leads to like a whole thing where the boys counselor, Guido, has to like step in. And take like three of the other girls aside and be like, stop excluding people. You need to apologize. Yeah. And it gets like, it's I probably one of be... the more awkward and tense yeah. moments of the whole series. This leads to like a hilarious thing with, with the camper Bryn, but we'll, we'll sort of circle back to that okay. later when we talk about Bryn and her weird obsession with Guido. This is the first sign of trouble and it takes it to like a whole other level when Izzy goes out for the play they do a play each session the plays are horrible there's a just a shocking amount of events that would be one thing that really would annoy me is like don't we just get any days where we can like go down to the lake and i don't and think hang you out? get full days yeah you just get time periods you get blocks that. yeah well yeah they got to keep especially the younger i mean i yeah, could, you gotta I could keep see like older distracted. the older kids are probably going to be able to entertain themselves a little and just sort of be more independent. But like these younger kids, you got to keep them like organized or it gets chaos. Yeah. It's too chaotic. But yeah. So they put on a play in the first session, the wizard of Oz, Izzy of course tries out, gets the part of the scarecrow, which is the part she wants. It's literally uh, Bradley Cooper from what hot American summer. (laughs) Yes. And Steph, who <laughs> is Amy Poehler, I'm obsessed with one of the counselors and Steph, they're running this whole thing. Yeah. She's looking straight out of hot Sunday for me. Yeah. I, yeah. I get what you're saying. She's, she's got she's a hot got, Sunday. Like, she's look got a nineties like, look. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, that was the Lisa Kelly, Jesse <laughs> dance. This, ep- this episode is a disaster. <laughs> this is all over the place. Yeah. Cut that out. The play sucks. <laughs> I mean, the girl that plays Dorothy is reading from a script. Yeah. A lot of the people didn't even learn lines. And I'm not like making it. They're little kids. There's I mean, they're no trying time. To, you can't put the Wizard of Oz together in a day. Yeah, there's no time. They just rush these things out. But Izzy learns her lines in both plays, both sessions. Well, yeah, she's good. And she actually is probably the best performer as far as like what we see. 
I'm sure like the older kids put on plays too or or do stuff like this too, but this is more focused on the younger kids. And the big controversy is they put this play on after like practicing it and Izzy learns all of her lines. She really seemed like the only girl from her cabin performing in this play. Yeah. And she was like Meryl Streep and everyone else was just extras. Well, no, they weren't even in it because they were watching it. Oh, I just mean the rest of the people that were in. Oh, well, I meant like no one from her cabin was even in the play. Right. So when they don't clap, which they (laughs) almost aggressively don't clap. I mean, the camera is like zooming in on them. And they're zooming in on Izzy's face, which is just like heartbroken that no one from her cabin is clapping at the end of this play. And other kids are clapping. It's not like. The kids just don't know what to do, and no one's... Yeah, it's intentional. Other kids are clapping, and no one from her cabin claps, which is so shocking. And harsh. It's one of the most insane things I've seen on TV this year. (laughs) Without It is wild. I was like, what the fuck is happening? This is where it's like, if you had been annoyed with Izzy before, you're 100% on her side now. And she makes like some great points, even if you don't like the play. It's still just like... Yeah, I mean, when it cuts to her... And there's literal tears streaming down her face. I don't get it. Like, you know, they might not like the play, but that, and that's fine, but you should still clap. It's just a nice thing to do. You You can't stay. You can't stay anti Izzy at that point. You have to be all on board because you're like, what could she have possibly done other than be annoying (laughs) that (laughs) that made them not clap? It just seemed so mean. But as a viewer, you are like, we've missed something here. They didn't really give yes. us all the details. Well, of- I think I was trying to make the point that in order to not portray anybody as villains and to keep things pretty light for the yeah. show, they probably did cut out something, I'm assuming. I, it and feels then that chose way, yeah. to leave that in as a dramatic moment, and it doesn't paint anyone specific as a villain. Like, you're not really sure what happened. Yeah. So they, they felt like they could leave that part in. But something had to have led to this. Right. I don't know what. So then Chloe, in her finest ret moment, is able to galvanize the group back together with a late night yeah. blindfold session. It, this is weird, though, because this is all done by like episode five, and it seems like the high drama point of the whole season. And we have it was 11 episodes left. sailing for the girls in session two. Yes. In fact, Izzy really comes into her own, even though she's only there for half of session two. We'll get back to Izzy. We'll get there. Let's talk about a couple of the boys real quick before we get to the counselors. TJ, there's a lot of focus on TJ in session one. He's only there for four weeks. His mom is the camp nurse, which I found like, well, he doesn't even have to like leave his mom. So it's like, why didn't he stay for the whole time? I was thinking that as well. His mom is there and a presence on the show. Every time he tries to jump off the blob, she like marches down to the lake to cheer him on and see if he's going to do it. And he never does it. Yeah. TJ is oddly patriotic in a way that felt strange. <laughs> like he was like, every time I see the flag, I stop and say the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> yeah, he does seem a little off. He had a too. very raspy voice. Yeah. So I'm excited to see everybody that's there. And this is my dog, Liberty. So I'm thinking about getting a second dog. I'm thinking about me, I'm naming it Justice. So it's like Liberty and Justice. I do remember boys. Yeah. Some boys like had that weird raspy voice. I don't think I ever really did. Maybe very briefly, but some people have it for like a year or two when they're kind of heading into puberty time. and stuff. Yeah, and he's just got like that raspy. Voice. Yeah, TJ's like my uncle or my grandpa 
fought in the war and I wear all of his hats. And you're like, what war? Clearly Vietnam, Vietnam because he's he wearing a Vietnam yeah. veteran's hat at one point, which I thought was completely insane. <laughs> but TJ seems like a good guy. Yeah, he's very uh, outgoing, and he makes friends with everyone. The boys are drama-free pretty much from start to finish. Yeah. Guido and Nate really have it locked down. The boys all adore Guido especially, and the girls do too. Everyone loves Guido. He is beloved across camp, I would say. But TJ, yeah, he's great. The big thing with TJ, the blob saga. So let's try to explain what the blob is. So... In the original Bug Juice, they didn't have this thing, but it's basically like you climb up a 15-foot, it's like you're going out on a diving board, but it's wood. It's like a wooden structure up in the air. You climb it up. It only exists to jump off of. Yeah, you go out onto the ledge to this giant inflated pad. I mean, it's huge. I think people probably know what these are. Yeah. People have seen them in the water. And someone, and then once you jump on it, you crawl out to the other end of it. Then someone else jumps on and propels you into the air. Yeah, really just like what we should encourage like 10-year-old kids to do. Yeah, it seems like if you go on it, regardless of your age, you have to wear a life vest. Because I think even like the counselors jumping off it had life vests on. Yeah, I mean... Probably because in case you got knocked unconscious. Well, most of the kids that we (laughs) see do it don't go too high. But in the opening credits, like right at the end, they show like some kid going off and it seems like they like flip over yeah, flips Lord. i think like Erilyn did like a little bit of a flip okay yeah some of the kids do it some kids barely get up in the air because they only have like a 40 pound kid That's jumping right. on yeah. but i mean if you're like a, a small kid and then you have like one of the big counselors like jumping on you can get like propelled go, like, pretty high flying. yeah tj's big goal of the summer is to jump onto the blob and and they call it blobbing or, or whatever this is an ongoing thing through multiple episodes. multiple episodes of the first half. Like episode two is called like TJ versus the Blob, and then for like four more episodes, he's like he I'm climbs do up the blob. onto the top and then panics and can't jump off. He's like too afraid. So you're gonna do okay? It's like jumping from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. All you have to do is put your legs out and land on your butt. If I, I can count down for you, and it would be great. Okay. Okay. Come on. You ready? Three, two, one. Loving! Do kids get up there, and your perception changes from looking up at something to looking down at something? That's when TJ was like, oh, whoa, you know? At the top of the ladder, it was so high. My heart stopped. I, I could not do it. I've had bad experiences with like high things you have to jump off. You tried. You tried. I'm not gonna wait, TJ. It's all right, TJ. I really was expecting myself to do it, but I couldn't. I felt defeated. It was a little hard to watch because I was like. Dude, come on. There's girls it watching. It is sad. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> and a couple times he like is in tears up there. And I'm just like, well, then don't do it. I do get it, though. Like, <laughs> I remember things like that. Even I remember skateboarding and dropping in on a half pipe for the first time. And it like doesn't look that high. And then you're up there and you're like, geez, this is scary yeah. as shit. Yeah, I think the thing that makes it worse, though, is that no one else, boy or girl, seemed afraid to do it. And that's true. So that is rough. I think there might have been one other boy that was, like, afraid, but 
he just was like, I'm not doing it. The end. Yeah. <laughs> and never went back up. Whereas TJ kept trying to force himself to do it. So it just dragged on and on. But that's the thing. I mean, when he's down on the ground, he sees other people doing it. He's like, this is nothing. And then he gets up there, starts looking down. And he just he's like freeze. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I would have been afraid to do it. I was never really afraid of heights. I think I would have seen so many people do it that I'm just like, I got to do it. Although, like, the difference for me, if my mom was, like, the nurse <laughs> and I, like, walked over, she wouldn't be like, TJ's mom, like, you can do this. She would be like, yeah, don't do it. Like, <laughs> go home. You'll probably crap your pants yeah. or something. <laughs> don't be stupid. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> You're embarrassing me in front of the cool kids. <laughs> You're embarrassing the family. It gets to the very last day, because as I said, he's a session one only guy. It's raining lightly. He tries to go up there again. He can't do it. And then he gets this genius idea where he's like, all right, well, I won't jump onto the blob, but I'll like climb up onto it so that I can get onto the other end and someone will blob me and, and propel me into the air. Cop and out. the show treats this like it's a win. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? He should be it's kicked a out failure. of failure. <laughs> well, he was like, that was the last Mom. Day. If I can't do it, <laughs> I should have to shave my head <laughs> or whatever, you know? Yeah, and yeah. she's like, what are you talking about? She's like, stop. She was like, why are you being so weird? Right. This isn't that big of a deal. One thing that they did do was try to recapture some of the highlights of the original Wazi year. So they did like the whole secret candy king storyline, which ended that up just being seemed TJ. Like they a just straight up replica. Like, let's just. So you think that was like set up and fake and just was completely? Like, I I kind of. Or do feel you think that there's always like contraband candy and then they just sort of played it up? Like, I don't. He might have had candy and then they're like, well, let's turn it into that storyline or something. We should do this as a nod to the original. I think it's a little lame that they're still not allowed to have any candy. I guess I don't even really understand what the reasoning for that is. I, I know in their appetite. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's not like the food that but they it, eat there is like super healthy no, or anything. It, it, although the, there was a lot of days where I was like, "Oh, that looks good." I kind of wish I was Yeah, there the for food lunch. looked good, but I'm just saying No, I know. I mean, they're eating like hot dogs like But like day. they can't even like tacos. There should be like a maybe like a concession stand where you could get like one thing of candy. I don't know. It just seemed weird that like But it's also it's like TJ's mom candy. is the health fitness person there. She's the nurse. <laughs> She's there to like put Amy a band-aid on a knee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and whenever uh Grace in session two like twists her ankle. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And Guido when he he's sick for the Parker Cup. Oh yeah, that's right. Do we need to say anything about anybody else? Like there's Daryl, a young kid from Atlanta who misses his mom <laughs> at the beginning. He's really good at basketball. I don't he, know. He doesn't really have any like he doesn't have a ton of great storylines. He he's friends swim with TJ. Very well, which yeah. Is less embarrassing than it was for like the fifteen-year-old Jason, which we found out from the Vice article. He was, was like, like the, the oldest, oldest kid. kid, and then he's the one in the original Bug Juice that can't swim and takes swim lessons with like the less than ten-year-olds. <laughs> so what great. a beatdown of a summer! <laughs> he was like a total embarrassment, and he kind of comes across a little douchey in that article. I yeah. must say, and in the show. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's a given. Let's kind of slide over to talk about the counselors finally. We've danced around it. The major counselor of the season of Bug Juice is Guido, for sure. He is the star. He seems like the golden child of Waziata. Everybody loves him. He's got like a very outgoing personality. 
he's super committed to doing yeah. all of the bits and doing all of the activities. I feel like he's one of the weird combinations of did the plays in high school, but was also like, I don't want to say cool. <laughs> Cause definitely not cool, but not ostracized by Popular. society. Like very, like a lot of play kids are. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he acted like he was ostracized when he was little, which right. is the, the, but you always know the, the type. There's always was... one that's able to like, kind of cross the worlds. Yeah, and it's just I, I was trying to like imagine myself in a scenario where I was like in my twenties approximately, and I was gonna spend my summer being a camp counselor. I don't know, just the idea of like all of these ten, eleven, twelve year olds like worshiping me. I mean, I guess I would probably like it. <laughs> Somebody finally likes me. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I certainly wasn't getting like other 20 year olds um, to think I was cool. I mean, I was definitely thinking like certainly if you're like a 20 year old dude, you're in a pretty good position with the counselors. I mean, this is like you're in a pretty controlled environment. There's not a ton of option for the female counselors. Oh, yeah. You know, it's not that hard to be like Ryan Reynolds, (laughs) the Ryan Reynolds of Waziata. Yeah, I do think that if we could ever get a reality show about the counselors at Waziata. That would be the ultimate yep, as far as I'm both concerned. Both seasons really. This this one and the original. I, or or a new one. Oh, I'm just sure, saying yeah. like I just would that show would just be more interesting probably than the kids. Well, that's the thing. And that would be the hard part cuz it's like you do have responsibilities during the day. And it's like I would just be like all day being like we got to just make it tonight so I can hang out with Steph or whoever. <laughs> yeah, and, in your dreams. <laughs> The two female counselors that we see the most, there's four in total, but the two like main ones are Chloe, who talks a lot. She gets a lot of screen time, <laughs> a lot of confessional time. And Steph, who seems to be British. I mistakenly thought was Australian for a while. <laughs> well, I don't happens. really know why. The thing with Chloe is they always set up these confessionals, and it's like you can tell you know, they're asking some interview questions and whatnot to like inspire this stuff but you kind of get the feeling with chloe that they were like ready to wrap it up and she's like no 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 wait i have like i have thoughts on every other detail ever yeah and i just was like man steph reminds me of so many girls i would have had crushes on when i was like younger and they were older if i was the age of like a 14 year old camper and i saw this counselor at this camp who clearly is probably in college or something i would have just been in love with her she was rocking a very 90s vibe, as you already touched on, with the hair and everything, and just the whole package, the too cool for school, the British accent. This is rubbish, saying things like that. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It led me to, like, randomly late one night Googling a girl I had a crush on back in oh, the no. 90s, and, and I couldn't find her. <laughs> you were Googling her? Yeah. <laughs> Should I cut that out? <laughs> I'm not saying her. I was like a little kid back then. No, no, you're fine. I'm just wondering, you know, whatever happened. Yeah, it wasn't someone I that I. Like it wasn't idea. even anyone I went to school with. It was just someone I knew through whatever some other. I means. just, I mean, I just like the idea of like trying to find like a regular person on Google or like Instagram and stuff. Okay, too. well that's better. It was just a whole. Yeah. Well, once I couldn't dive. find them on social media, then I was resorting to Googling. <laughs> Ask Jeeves. <laughs> this is the best content yeah. right now. I knew bringing that up would work. <laughs> but I was inspired by the look of Steph. I mean, I was just like, she reminds me of girls I had crushes on. Well, because it, she has a very 90s look. The whole British accent thing led me down this well, that's whole... That's a curveball. 
Well, sure. But I just mean like that like started sending me down this train of thought of I, I was even going down the road of like, you know, what? I, I don't know if you even know this, but like Disney has like this whole program of like bringing people in from around the world to like work at like the stores fiance. and 90 Day Fiance. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Disney World. This is a show? No. Disney World in Orlando. <laughs> they have a whole program where people come work there for like the summer they work in the gift shops. They run the rides. You might dress up as Cinderella, whatever. And I was like, oh, does this camp have some sort of program where, which I. Oh, yeah. It does like, seem like they have a lot of people from the UK and various places. It did seem like that one guy was definitely Australian. Yeah. I, I don't okay. feel like that was an exaggeration. And then there was like Techie Tim or something. He was like British as well. But I, I saw on their Waziata instagram that 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 one guy the guy who was always like vegas night that guy, oh that's right yeah he's worked there for like 15 years and he's so maybe they just British. attract like an international you know I don't, yeah i don't know uh, i don't know what that's base. all about yeah we should probably move off the counselors <laughs> before it gets <laughs> dangerous content any weird, more weird shit comes out <laughs> let's circle back to bryn and and the tent incident and guido as her mentor and all of that shit so she comes in to camp as like a bona fide badass is how they're trying to portray her. She has a zillion trophies and, and medals in her bedroom they show. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, I do these taekwondo and judo and all this shit. And she's, she's like, like I, I'm a black belt. And I was like, I didn't know you could be a black belt at like 10. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what that's like. <laughs> it's like literally the foot fist way. <laughs> like a 25-year-old dude just like punches her in the face. <laughs> Not only does she do like the hand-to-hand combat stuff, but other sports too. Yeah, yeah. Like she's just very athletic. Right. They're like she beats boys and all this shit. So like she comes in, Izzy's like super excited for her. Bryn seems to have like a similar personality to Izzy. She's like saying a lot of gibberish and she's doing like that singing opera shit that she does a couple of times. Oh, yeah. And you're like, Yeah, she's kind of a goofball. But it all leads into this tent incident where she was sort of in charge of the tent that already had seven. And then she gets called into like the session with Guido where he's sort of like, hey, you, you guys got to stop this. You guys, you you know, what? I, I count on you guys to be like leaders amongst your peers. Like. I did think that, the th- see, we were talking, we were just rewatching this right before we recorded. And I was saying it seemed like the girls that he picked, though, were not necessarily the ones leading the charge to keep people out of tents. I agree. So I felt like he was picking people based on ones he thought could be leaders or something in the group. But... Bryn in her like face-to-face interview with the camera about this incident is like denying having anything to do with it even though we just saw like videotape footage of that right (laughs) yes it it was interesting it kind of goes on this long sequence of Bryn sort of marching around being like no we have seven people yeah and then it just cuts to her being like well Guido thinks I did these things but I I I know I didn't do them she just she says it's so so much more dramatic and slow. She's like yeah. that Guido thinks I did these things that I did not do and I know I did not do. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like crying. I just don't want him to be disappointed in me. I know, which, which is shocking. I was screaming right? at that part. I was like, "What?" It was so bizarre and out of nowhere, but it it did have Rick James on Eddie Murphy's couch feel to it, where oh, she's yeah. just like denying that this happened. But we just saw evidence <laughs> of this happening, and we're like, "Are we insane? Like, what? What's happening?" And we stand and looking at him. He's looking right in our eyes as he grinds his mud. Tell him, 
never just did things just to do them. Come on, I mean, what am I gonna do? Just, just all of a sudden just jump up and grind my feet on somebody's couch like it's like it's, you know, something to do. Come on, I got a little more sense than that. Yeah, I remember grinding my feet on Eddie's couch. You know? See, I never just did things just to do them. Come on, I mean, what am I gonna do? Just, just all of a sudden just jump up and grind my feet on somebody's couch like it's like it's, you know, something to do. Come on, I got a little more sense than that. Yeah, I remember grinding my feet on Eddie's couch. Those girls then go make up with Leia and Izzy and everything, and and like we said, yeah, Chloe, Chloe eventually brings the brings back them together. together a little bit before the end of session one. But it is a very strange relationship that Bryn seems to have with Guido, and I'm not like implying anything there. I'm just saying the fact that she was in tears about was so bizarre and it didn't seem like she was afraid of being in trouble it didn't seem like he he certainly wasn't like yelling at her or anything to like make her cry it was just like he's disappointed in me which i was just like blown away by that it is bizarre but yeah i i guess it's just like guido is just such a star i mean he's a man about camp you don't want to make him upset yeah (laughs) okay so besides that bryn she dominates in basketball during like color wars. She was scoring like all kinds of baskets. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like she kind of got a bad rap the way that the show positioned it because it, because of her reaction, her seemed like the main villain. And that was my, my takeaway the first time watching it. And then when I read, I was thinking about those other girls from the other tent and the way, I don't know. I just think that like, it's possible that Bryn got a bad rap the way that it looked. Okay. And that maybe Upon the other re-watch. girls were being more exclusionary yeah. than her. And she was really just completely trying to be logistical with her argument. She's like, no, we already have seven people. It's seven to a ten. Yeah, the other people have to be in yours. I mean, you could make the argument that she did seem to like try to recruit seven people very quickly there in was a way a that like, was like intentionally not Whispering including. going on yeah. on the way to the like, tents. Yeah. And that's the way that it ends up feeling when you're the pe- person left out. Like Izzy and Leia, they're like, it seems like this was set up to keep us at, like no one wants us is basically how that comes off. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> on this podcast that's right honestly. yeah you're just like i don't feel like recording and then all of a sudden like an episode posts and it's like you and, I don't <laughs> and, know, and some, someone else yeah some like old woman that lives in like your apartment complex <laughs> and then i also thought it was funny and this goes for boys and girls how all of them were like camp is my freedom camp is when i can be myself I can let loose let my hair down i mean i'm not making fun of that i was just like noticing that they all kind of had oh, i imagine like okay the stress of a 10 year old well i've thought that was very indicative of like modern helicopter parents yeah and i'm sure there is sort of a, a relief they're not even old enough to identify it yet because they're all very excited to see their parents when they show up to pick them up they're oh like, for sure but I do think that subconsciously they're probably like they they sense like a weight off their shoulders. It just seems like how yeah these upper middle class kids that would go to this camp probably what they're used to. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you hear like you have like the, an Izzy character and she's just casually dropping the bomb that she lives in Tribeca. Yeah, well, Izzy's just different. Yeah. I mean, Izzy is like you can't really compare her to the other kids. Well, at that's all. true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she is the type that would say I'm from Tribeca. But, like, I don't know if anyone else would say that. That's just her. (laughs) But one thing that she probably would share with the others is it seems like very involved parents. Yeah. So is that it for characters? I mean, I feel like Izzy, TJ, Bryn uh, by far have the most screen time, right? Sure. In the first session, yeah. 
we were probably going to talk a little bit about session two, but not as much. Okay. I just felt like... So tune in next time. When there's like uh, these younger kids, you get a lot of compliment crossover, meaning like when they have to say nice things about each other, they all basically say the same things. Yeah. I did think it was hilarious like when the session one people were leaving and they were kind of having like an emotional moment between like the boys in the dorm and they're just like, hey man, you're just like a crazy nice guy. And then the one one guy goes, you're crazy athletic. (laughs) He's just like (laughs) listing. I was like, is that something you say to someone when you're like leaving? (laughs) It was very strange, but he was just like listing things. This version of the show definitely sort of peters out heading into the, the second Session. I actually enjoy the second session, but there's, it's just harder to talk about. Yeah, well, the people I, don't jump out as much. Certainly compared to Bug Juice, the original season, yes. where it's like session two was like crank up the drama, full of fireworks, yeah. <laughs> crank up, that get your drama. popcorn ready. Yeah, that's when campers were leaving. That's when love triangles were forming. It was a whole thing. Whereas the girls that show up in session two get along great, and this is really Izzy's yeah. time to shine. And the new campers all seem to love her, and the ones that stay, like Erilyn and Aaliyah and Leia, seem to like her more even than they used to. Like that's the thing. Izzy I mean, just comes into her own. All there of a is no like, oh, I did a play, and my own cabin mates aren't clapping for me. There's nothing crazy like that. Everything. I, she, I mean, it's just like we just have a normal camp. She experience specifically brings that up and yeah. says, "I'm leaving that in the past." Yeah. <laughs> Because she goes out for the second play. That's right. Which yes. goes a lot better, even yeah, though it seemed equally as terrible <laughs> to me. <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, she was in a better place with her cabin mates where they were able to bring themselves to clap for it. Well, yeah, let's close the loop on Izzy. So she she plays this part in Aesop's Fables. They do some sort of updated version of it. And they do cut to the audience during this play, and it's kids like looking at Being each other puzzled, like, yeah. this is fucking terrible. <laughs> like, what is this shit? I actually thought Wizard of Oz was better than this well it was a more like cohesive story i don't know if anyone was reading from a script in this one that's true yeah which was sort of unbearable to look at but izzy leaves after six weeks so she's she's only there for half of session two but the session two people the new people like grace and jillian and lucy and milan and malin there's a milan and a malin i I don't know i can't remember like any of the characters names from session two they all seem to like Izzy a lot more and Leia. Leia makes friends with Jillian with the horse riding and all that yeah. stuff. It does feel like Izzy was born for session two really more so than session Yeah, one. and a big takeaway for me is just in ca- the camp in general, and this ties back in with TJ and everything, the girls in this age demographic are fearless. Izzy jumps off the blob. She weighs probably one third of what TJ weighs. <laughs> She's tiny. Just completely, I mean, she hesitated a little bit, but she yeah. did it. Right. The girls, when they go to the water park, they're just willing to go down like that giant slant. They call it like the taco of terror or whatever. That's it's right. like that double-sided thing. And the only people that like get afraid of it and are like almost in tears about it are boys. Me. I don't know. Is that just something that happens at that age group? Like girls just become less scared of things I, yeah and that's the way i definitely stays. picked that up and it even carried over when they did halloween in august where they had like a haunted house that's with right, like yeah. the counselors and like boys were crying. like afraid of it well tj was gone yeah. by then let's kind of skip over vegas nights and and the fake marriages i, I mean it was weird it is weird i don't I, know there's if there's a much, lot to say not much to say other than it is weird sort of strange that you're kind of like opening kids up to this world of gambling I mean, obviously, they're not using real money, but it's like yeah, 
a lot of replicating of what is in a casino. I guess we're probably giving short shrift to session two, but there's really not, there's just nothing really to say. I think it's like things like Vegas night. I would be like, we don't need two of these. Like if you're an eight weeker and you do Vegas night twice. Yeah. But again, I don't know if all of the kids are doing that. So like the older ones who stay more for eight weeks, I don't know if they were doing it. Okay. And out of those younger kids, there were not a lot of eight weekers. That's true. That was one of the things about going to younger campers. I think there a lot more of them left after four weeks, which made it harder to have a cohesive 16 episodes over both sessions. Because you sort of like lose track of who's oh, who for sure. at a certain point because they just bring in all these new people. And they try to focus on a few of them. Like even that one kid who was in the play with Izzy, the Aesop's Fable one, he was only there for two weeks and then yeah. he was gone. He seemed like he had a big personality, but like by the time you start getting used to him being on there, he's gone. Yeah. So anyway, let's get to conclusions. What can we say (laughs) about Bug Juice, my adventures at camp? Overall, I ended up liking it more than I thought when I started it. Same. 100% agreed because I started it and I was like, I don't know. This feels like it's going to be hard to get back into, but... I was sucked in pretty quick. I think both of us are pretty obsessed with camp and Camp Oziata. I would love to go up there at some point and check it out. It seems like a beautiful place. (laughs) (laughs) I do like Maine. At a certain point, you realize like your life is almost over and like all the good parts have passed. And you're just like, well, I can't go back in time and ever get to go to this camp, either as a camper or a counselor. There was definitely stuff that made me feel nostalgic for the original run of the show. I will say the camp looks basically the same. Exactly. The cabins do. Even like the fact that like owners have changed, but they're still doing color war. Yeah. Well, who knows what the situation is there? I I don't want to speculate on whether people are alive or dead, but I mean, I think the people that owned it before were pretty old. Yeah. Right. They seemed older. So I don't know if they're still. But I definitely think this was a, a purchase, not like a. Probably. Yeah. In that Vice article, the people that owned it had a connection to the producers of the show, which is how right. it all happened. And yeah. he had just bought it at that that's, point. That's right, yeah. Yeah. I ended up liking it more than I thought I would. I mean, I was texting with my sister who watched the original Waziata year back in the day as well, and I was asking her if she had seen this, and she hadn't. And I was like, well, you know, the kids are a couple of years younger than they were back then, so there's not as much boy girl stuff and she's the one that originally made the what so what are we watching arts and crafts and i was like yeah pretty much a lot of friendship bracelet material really? a lot of lake material it is, friendship bracelets are a big part of it tj walking around like just exclaiming to everyone that he made his friendship bracelet they do a lot of fun stuff like steph who we like she is the counselor for the boys for a day and guido is the counselor for the girls for a day <laughs> Guido like wins over the girls by bringing like extra cookies uh, oh, yeah. for dessert at breakfast. I like how they have a breakfast dessert. Really, that's the thing they they don't encourage candy, candy but then they're eating cookies for breakfast, which is <laughs> again, hello me. <laughs> I think I had cookies yeah, really. this morning yeah. for breakfast. <laughs> TJ, upon finding out, and all the boys, but TJ is the one they talked to in the interview. And they were just inconsolable. Yeah, it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> where he's like, Guido usually only brings us one cookie, but he brought two or three cookies each for the girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Just his delivery of things is bizarre. So dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> it was like you're hanging on the edge of your seat. Like, what is he going to say? 
every word yeah. so listenable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds like we're goofing on him, but like, no, it, it was, was so entertaining. Yeah. It was so funny. Yeah. There's just something special about summer camp, I think, for two people that never went, <laughs> that we can just get endlessly excited about summer camp material or summer romance material. You know, yeah. I was re-listening to our Uncle Buck episode, and you brought up The Great Outdoors, which is a movie I showed you, <laughs> which also ties in yeah, with right. like the Wonder Years thing with Kara and everything, which is another early episode of ours. And like, yeah, we definitely like summer love, and we like camps, <laughs> summer yeah, camps. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know. It's just we're jealous. Like, there's a fun innocence to it. I, I'm just like so hardened in this world. I don't know. It feels like these people have it figured out. And, and I like hate in- to sound like one of these like anti-phone, anti-technology, but it, it, it that just makes was it nice better. to yeah. seeing kids just having fun like in the moment. Like faces not buried in phones. Yeah, and, they like, and just socializing in a very old school sense. I'm past it now, and, and I don't... <laughs> An announcement. I don't think I'm going to have any kids, folks. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I don't think I'm going to go to camp. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still hopeful there'll be a camp for 40-year-olds. I've never been somebody that like wanted yeah. to have kids, so I don't think I'm going to have them. So I, I don't necessarily have to confront this issue, but it is like disheartening to think that people are missing out on the stuff that they would do at like Waziata, and this is like a dying form of entertainment, and now people are very much... Like, mm-hmm technology bound and part of it also was fun watching this during a time period where you can't really do very much and we know that's true they didn't even have camp this year at Waziata, and probably most summer camps across the country were canceled but it is weird because even watching them like eat buffet style food yeah you know it's like wow that is well, the it- kids are always like hugging each other and high-fiving and everything and yeah, it's something that you would never even think about until this time period we live in now where it's like, wow, that's weird that people are so not caring about germs. I do want to say before we sign off that we are taking a break yeah. for one week, then we will come back and finish August off strong just so people don't panic. Obviously, if we have to go into like another lockdown or if either you or I get COVID-19 and we have to take a break, I'll, yeah, I'll try we'll to do like a, a solo thing or something, even though we've been leaving the mics at your house. But well, we'll go on the uh, 14 day COVID IR. I think anybody listening to this knows that that could always be a possibility of us having to like shut it down again. But yeah, I think they think that breaks at any point are a possibility. Yeah. Well, the, the one week break for next week is planned and then we will do some more fun episodes now, i like promise anytime there's any- a break there people are just gonna be like oh which one of them has it <laughs> i promise that i know it's been like kind of a weird run of episodes since we came back so it's, it's a true, weird yeah. thing to look at our episodes and be like well what's the most mainstream one we've done yeah and then now we're doing bug juice which is even more obscure than the one trashy summer pick that's true people are just like yeah greatest moments is back and they like look at the episodes they're just like not interested i promise we're gonna start doing like more mainstream stuff we have like an incredible run planned for like virtually the rest of the year after this <laughs> mostly yeah i think <laughs> after this i swear yeah, this I is mean, sort of like a farewell to the stuff that we care about that no one else does. No, oh no, I'm sure there'll be more at some point, but for the for the time future, being, yeah. yeah. Although I don't know, even thinking about the stuff that's upcoming, there's some heavy hitters for me and you, but I'm still thinking that some of those movies aren't 
moving the needle for mainstream audiences. Well, at least they'll have heard of it. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) The Neon Demon was like probably our biggest episode since we've come back, which is insane. Yeah, that is nuts. What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. All right, so my recommendation this week, I'll give it a little bit of context. Yeah. I've only recently started to come into understanding and knowing about the character of Alan Partridge. It's a character played by Steve Coogan, British comedic actor. I'm sure people might know him by look if they don't know him by name. He's pretty recognizable. One of my favorite appearances of his is uh, Hamlet 2. Yeah, well, a movie that I saw with my friend, and we were the only two people there on Friday night opening weekend. Yeah. In a huge theater. By Not ourselves. a big hit, but I like it. Hamlet 2 is hilarious. He's a super funny guy, done a lot of great stuff. I mean, people might know him from The Other Guys and Tropic Thunder and a few other, like, more mainstream yeah. situations. He's very recognizable, I would say. Anyway, this is a character he created in England in 1991. It's on and off. There's been TV shows, radio shows, different appearances, specials, etc. I am going to recommend the 2013 movie, which in America was just called Alan Partridge. I think in England it was called Alan Partridge, Alpha Papa. It is available for free on Tubi and Pluto TV and like something else. But if you have like a yeah. Roku or anything... Anything like a Roku that gets all the apps, you can watch it for free. It's a hilarious movie. It's hard to even explain the character of Alan Partridge. He's like a parody of pompous, boring radio hosts and TV personalities and talk show hosts. And and he's a guy who's like consumed with his own ego. It's kind of he's kind of a crashing bore. Because even though it like well precedes this, it kind of reminded me of like some of the things that he was doing of. Like, talking about what I can only assume are, like, boring cities in England. Yeah. Like, it almost goofing on, like, Anthony Bourdain or something, even though, like, well precedes it. It just seems like like he's, like, talking about these, like, cities. Some of the humor is a little hard to interpret if you're American. One thing I will say about the movie, if you watch it, you have to pay attention to what they're saying. They talk fast. They talk about things that don't make sense sometimes. You have to, like, stay focused on it. The jokes are sometimes very subtle in the movie. But... I laughed harder at the Alan Partridge 2013 movie than I have at a movie in a long time. Tears running down my face. I'll have to watch it. Yeah, screaming at various points, thinking it was super funny. There's so many little like jokes crammed into things. Some of the the bigger swings are a little like less funny, but other than like trying to tie up the whole plot at the end of the movie, it stays funny throughout. There's a lot of jokes, a lot of great stuff. Just a great character. We've been enjoying some YouTube videos as well. So I'm going to recommend that. And like I said, you can check it out for free on Tubi or a couple of other apps. I'll have to do that. So this is a uh, Steve Coogan heavy recommendation section this week. But it does come out of basically like the last time you were here to record. And we were watching some Alan Partridge YouTube videos and particularly the promo for the Alan Partridge podcast. Yeah, let me stop you there. Yeah. If you've listened to the entire private school episode alan partridge is the voice that you hear at the very end and that is like a a promo for this new podcast that they're launching on audible i know like some people have heard the comedy clips we do at the end 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 of the show yeah and that was him speaking go ahead 
so I was in the mood. This kind of made me go down that road again. And I originally watched these a few years ago with you. And my recommendation is really just the one, but I guess it could be all three because they're streaming on Hulu. But uh, Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon in uh, a movie called The Trip, playing themselves and going to restaurants. But they do like tons of impressions, particularly Michael Caine. And it's just hilarious. They're themselves, but it's fiction. Right. There's a weird, almost melancholy feel about like what's going on in their personal lives. But just the conversations that they have are hilarious. While it, it can seem like a bit much at times, they really kind of go on and on with like these impressions and <laughs> staying in these characters. But it is like, I mean, for me, like a ton of laughs. So the first one is the trip. And then I think it's the trip to Spain and then the trip to Italy or uh, maybe those are flip flopped. And there's another one coming out. It's out. Oh, you it's can out. rent it right now. Okay. It's called The Trip to Greece. Yeah. I, I have not um, seen that one. But the other three are all streaming on Hulu. So, yeah, after we watched that, Lindsay had never seen them, so we, we started watching The Trip. And I just so hilarious for me. Yeah, so big-time Steve Coogan recommendations. For years, I never realized that that one clip, at you know how like they play different clips at the end of Tony Kornheiser's show? Yes, right. I like never realized that that one clip they played wasn't actually Michael Caine and that it's them, one of them, from one of those movies where she's like, he's only 16 years old. (laughs) You're only supposed to blow the bloody door. I was like, I thought that was Michael Caine. the bloody doors off. (laughs) It sounds so much like Michael Caine that I just thought it was until I saw the movie. The impressions are mostly really good, but I feel like the Michael Caine ones are like uncanny how good they are. Yeah. And it is like almost a cliche impression to do at this point, but they do it so well and, and they just say like funny shit yeah, in right. that character. Yeah. yeah, those are all fun. I actually was searching on Roku not that long ago for those, so I'm glad that they popped back up on Hulu because I, w- I want to rewatch them. I had them. looked for them a while back because I just had one of these moments where I was just like, you know what I'd like to watch again? The Because they used to be on Netflix. Yeah. And so now they they're gone, on Hulu. Then I couldn't find them anywhere. And yeah, I just randomly searched Hulu and they're all on there right now. All right, so a lot of Steve Coogan stuff to check out. Like I said, you can find Bug Juice, My Adventures at Camp on the new Disney Plus platform. Hopefully they will add the original Bug Juice at some point. That would be great. Otherwise, it will just disappear into history because it's not available anywhere, and Disney sits on shit. That's they don't true. They don't make really, it available. Uh, it doesn't feel like they go out of their way to broadcast that they're airing it on Disney Plus either. When I first <laughs> well, got what do you on- want them to do? <laughs> I'm just saying when I first got on there and started scrolling through the things, that never popped up anywhere. There's a lot of stuff on Disney+. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Their search capability needs to be fixed. It's a a disaster. Okay, all right. So they've got some work to do with Disney+. Plus. Yeah, although they're in way better shape than HBO Max and Peacock, which are almost impossible for people to even find. It's, like, so annoying. (laughs) right. (laughs) But we're not doing a streaming discussion so let's wrap it up follow the show on twitter at greatest pod subscribe on apple podcasts we are taking next week off and then we will be back we will get back into movies we're gonna do movies hopefully people have seen and care about and know but hopefully yeah even if you haven't hey we're still gonna do our thing that's right so thanks for listening we'll talk to you real soon
right out. Hey, what happened? As you know, back in 1970, I started on a series called What Happened? And every time something would go wrong, I would look at the camera and say, hey, what happened? <laughs> we had a lot of fun with that and a lot of other catchphrases. I got a real red wagon. And uh, I can't do my work. And I believe I was the first one to use the phrase, I don't think so. But it only lasted a year, and that's good because that's how you establish a cult. So I was on stage doing all my shtick, you know, hey, what happened? And I can't do my work. And if someone would heckle me, they'd say, are you going to be on stage all night? I would say, that's right. And that'd crack up the audience. But I noticed the guy sitting down front with a long face. Nothing got to him. So I turned to the lady next to him. I said, would you hold your mirror up in front of his nose to see if he's still breathing? to see, in fact, if there's a reflection. So he started to smile. After the show, I go down and introduce myself. His name is George Menchel. He had been with a group called the Main Street Singers. Now, I was never into folk music. I'd 
worked some bills with some folkies, you know, put him in the cell with a long hose on him, put him in the cell with a long hose on him. And I used to say, if he's got a long enough hose, uh, he's going to have a lot of friends in the shower room. Uh, <laughs> folk audiences hated that joke. But I said to George, I said, seriously, uh, you put up some great numbers. If you reform your group, I can send you out on the Starfish cruise lines. Together we could make a fortune and you will have a ball. They used to go out, come back. They had a great time. Uh, except a couple of cruises, dysentery broke out on the ship. I was not there. You do not want to be on a cruise ship when dysentery breaks out and be knocking on the men's room door and say, will you be coming out soon? And here, I don't think so.